Hi, Renata. Hi, Louisa. So uh, this evening I'm talking to Renata, a former citi senior citizenship judge who is also an immigrant woman. Thank you, for Renata, for your time. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. So as an immigrant woman, Renata, who has had a successful career, can you give newcomer women valuable insights on the things to do or to prepare for when coming to Canada? Sure. Well, I was very fortunate. I came to Canada when I was a little girl, so I had a lifetime to adjust to Canadian <laughs> culture. But um, in my role as a citizenship judge, which I held for 11 years, and five of those years were as a senior judge, I was an ambassador for citizenship. This is one of the titles I held. And mm. consequently, I spoke to many newcomer women and learned a lot about newcomers and their struggles in Canada, and their challenges and their successes. And uh, consequently, I would say, one of the most important things that newcomer women should know before they come to Canada or at landing is that they need to focus most of their attention on mastering the languages that we use in Canada, English and French. Mm -hmm. Research in the department has shown that more than their age, more than foreign experience, more than their Canadian or foreign education, the, the determinative factor of success in Canada is knowledge of the languages of Canada at landing and okay. this is significant for the first two years and the first five less so after 10 years because they uh, acquire experience and work experience and education and so on but at landing the most significant factor for success is English and French knowledge so I would say they should focus their energies on that secondly I think that they once they land the most important thing to do is network, become friends with Canadians, established Canadians or less recent uh, arrivals of newcomers because it's the Canadians who are established who can really help them navigate their way through their lives in Canada and particularly find work. Okay. And newcomer mentors and people who are established who are willing to help uh, newcomers will give them great advice from advice about the legal system, how to get around, what to do if there are problems in the school system, give them shortcuts to everything in Canada. Okay. And I would say that would be uh, the second most important thing to do. Because many of these women come from cultures where they don't have a voice, where civic participation for women, civic participation is not popular. So how can we get more newcomer women to engage in civic activities? Well, I think that the newcomer organizations definitely have a role to play in this regard. Uh, newcomers who take language classes will learn all about Canadian culture and the political system and uh, are encouraged strongly to participate in their local communities, in the electoral uh, system, and in the political system. I mean, that's one way. I think um, we all have a responsibility as people who are established in Canada to help newcomers to um, understand that they have opportunities here that they don't have in other countries, they can fully participate as much or as little as they want, and that civic participation is a cornerstone of our democracy. And it is in reaching out to their communities that they help themselves, they help the, their families, and they contribute to the common good, mm -hmm. which helps everyone to uh, do better in Canada. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's what I would say about that. Yeah, you spoke about language classes. What are some of the other spheres where these women can become more civically and culturally engaged? 
Well, almost any local organization, a school organizations, a hospital, uh, environmental organizations, uh, charities, are all great places to start when looking for ways to become civically engaged and make a contribution. It's also, for newcomers, a wonderful way to gain valuable Canadian experience. I'm going to put that in quotes. Because that uh, sort of experience, volunteer or otherwise, will help them to add to their resumes in Canada, meet new people, expand their networks, gain a sense of how things are done in Canada, and that will help them in the future. Hmm. You mentioned the Canadian experience. Yeah. Yeah, I've been wanting to ask you, what exactly is the Canadian experience? Because when you meet newcomer women and you speak to them about finding jobs, socializing, they always talk about the Canadian experience. What is the Canadian experience? Yes, I've heard stories where newcomer women say, I have a great resume and I've got lots of experience. I was an engineer, I was a doctor, but I'm turned down for even simple jobs because I don't have Canadian experience. Well, I think that employers have an interest in hiring people who um, will be able to fit in, who have uh, the appropriate education, the knowledge, the skills to do the job. And also, they're going to have confidence that the person they're speaking to will be able to follow instructions, will be a self-starter, will not cause problems, will understand the culture, the expectations of a Canadian workplace. Mm-hmm. And all of that is acquired through Canadian experience. That said, there is a danger that Canadian experience can is code for you don't fit mm-hmm. um, or a way of, for an employer to say, um, to get out of explaining just why that person isn't a fit. Mm-hmm. So sometimes a Canadian experience can be an excuse um, for that. But, uh, you know, fortunately, there are lots of ways to gain Canadian experience, and one of which is to to volunteer and to engage. You know, virtually any kind of work, you know, even if you're a volunteer presider at school lunch Mm -hmm. time, already you're... Demonstrating you've got managerial skills, you're um, considered responsible enough to do a job, you gain uh, experience working in a workplace, you have engaged in supervision of children. That's four things just right there that you can add to your resume. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, um, that's probably one of the primary goals newcomers should aim for is gaining some kind of Canadian experience so they can skirt around any kind of excuses <laughs> offered to them. Okay. So in terms of diversity, most of the time I like to see what are newcomer women saying and what are the Canadian employers or the, what is the Canadian society hearing? So I know that a lot has been done to promote successful inclusion and diversity in organizations so far. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's been a 50-50. It's not proved as effective as we newcomers will, will want it, would want it to be. Mm-hmm. How would you address issues of diversity in the workplace? How do you think we can bridge this cultural divide? a very difficult question. I think collectively as a nation, we are very conscious of our identity as a multicultural society. Mm -hmm. So there's already a substantial openness to um, newcomers, to there's an understanding of the skills they bring to this country. Um, So I think we've, in terms of, you know, globally, we've really advanced, uh, we're advanced as a nation. That said, of course, there are ways that we can improve. I think it's incumbent on all of us as established Canadians to bring awareness in our workplaces about the value of bringing others who have uh, a more, a different perspective. I think it causes a more dynamic workplace. 
where the interchange is truly creative because there are differences in experience and background and knowledge. Um, I, I think that's the primary responsibility we hold as Canadians that are established. I think that, that goes a long way. I think also we've got to engage with newcomers and take responsibility on ourselves to help newcomers to explain how their diversity mm-hmm. will benefit the employer. Okay, how their diversity would benefit the employer. Yeah, and newcomers okay. have a responsibility to be able to articulate, to really think about how what they can contribute, to be able to explain what they bring. Um, and that requires two things. It requires um, an ability to very quickly explain how they can contribute to a workplace. Mm-hmm. But they also have to understand what that workplace does, what they're looking for, and how they can add value. Right? Okay. I think it's very important to be able to do both um, because you know people who are in a position of hiring others want to know that they're going to hire someone who can really hit the ground running. Okay. They don't have time for hand-holding. They've got a business to run and they want things to run as smoothly as possible. And sometimes they're not willing to do the mental work of thinking about how a person can contribute to their environment, their work environment. But if the newcomer is dynamic enough and has done enough homework, then they can bring to light the aspects that would benefit the employer, do that work for them so that they more, can more easily engage. I believe that, that most Canadians are very open to newcomers mm-hmm. and they may be intellectually lazy about what the benefits <laughs> are uh, of a newcomer, but uh, I think fundamentally they're quite open. Okay. So And their minds can be changed. Oh, their minds can be changed. So in speaking of the value that the values newcomers can add, contribute to the Canadian workplace, what are some of the gaps in the system that you can identify? What are some of the strategies you to promote inclusiveness? I'll put it that way. Yes, that's a huge question. Well, I think one of the gaps in, in the knowledge of established Canadians mm-hmm. or organizations of all sorts is that they don't understand just how educated our newcomers are. Mm-hmm. That would be the first thing. I think there's a lot of work to be done. Perhaps the government can engage in outreach. This is one of the things that we did as judges. We would go out to established organizations to explain the immigration system, talk about the requirements of immigrating to Canada and the requirements of citizenship. What people don't realize is our express entry system requires um, newcomers to have an extremely high level of um, English and French proficiency. Mm-hmm. They tend to be very young because the points are attributed to youth. Mm-hmm. They have plenty of high-skilled foreign experience. Okay. And I think that a lot of people, you know, just watch the news and think, oh, we're just rescuing refugees who have no education, have been living in camps and are destitute. When actually that just, you know, refugees constitute a very small part of uh, what we do in terms of immigration. And many of them are extremely wealthy and very well-educated as well. Mm. Uh, The bulk of the newcomers who come here, of course, are very well-educated. So that's one area I think all of us, established Canadians, the government, newcomer organizations, have a responsibility to telegraph that message to to employers and to everyone that uh, our immigrants are really extraordinary people. Um, that they're extremely resilient, that they're very adaptable, that they've got extraordinary courage to leave the streets of their childhood and start all over again. Mm-hmm. I think that's a major gap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that we've got some work to do in terms of 
describing uh, successful newcomers, right? I think we have some organizations and even magazines that mm-hmm. describe newcomers, but I think we really have to put that into the mainstream mm-hmm. and explain so everyone knows, look, here's this person who came with virtually nothing or with a lot, mm-hmm. and this is what they've contributed to our country. So that will really raise the level of understanding that we've got. You know, I, I, I ask all the time, I'm a bit unique, of course, because I, this is my background uh, as a citizenship judge. I'm always curious about where people come from, where they were educated, what they've done, and what where they are now. And I'm constantly amazed. I've got so many stories. My husband says I should write a book <laughs> because I've met so many extraordinary people. And when yeah. you, you really take time to express an interest in newcomers, you will find that they are truly extraordinary people. Now, I know this. Does everyone else understand that so many of the people who are here are uh, weren't born here? Weren't born here, true. Because Canada is a melting pot. That's how I like to see Canada as a melting pot. And since it opened its, since Canada opened its gates to immigrants, I think most, I I'm not sure of the percentage, but a lot of people in Canada are foreign born. Absolutely, yes. I think it's uh, one in five. Uh, are foreign born if not more and uh, the numbers are only increasing because mm. we bring in um, yeah, 200,000 newcomers a year at least uh, most of whom 85% of whom become Canadian citizens within the first five years okay. and those trends aren't going to stop I think in 2020 the actually the goal is about 340,000 uh, newcomers coming Mm. So the numbers are extremely high, and uh, they're not going to uh, diminish. So okay, and do you think that there are, there are policies with policies which can help newcomer women take more take uh, be more active in civic in civic activities? Because in terms of the elections, mm-hmm. I we I don't really I I can't remember really seeing on or, or over the television or, or hearing of any group coming forward to say, we support this person, we're pushing this person forward. Yeah. Do you think there are policies that can be put in place to in, to improve this? I think there are programs that could be put in place, perhaps by the government, um, or even by by businesses. You know, there are a lot of uh, organizations like RBC, Scotiabank, mm-hmm. large banks and other large organizations, um, large retailers that have policies to hire uh hire newcomer women and maybe some of those organizations could uh, also um, develop programs to encourage women to participate of course it's such a complex problem and women themselves have to be determined and have to want to participate right and we've got to ask why aren't newcomer women participating in uh, more organizations why aren't they volunteering more why aren't they more engaged in politics why don't they get involved in elections uh, and I think one of the reasons, as a mother of five, is they've got to be interested, right? It's not just that they're blocked from doing so. If they wanted to, and for example, we just had an election, MPs are always looking for, or candidates who are running are always looking for volunteers. Mm-hmm. They could volunteer with an election. They could find out what the issues are. They could walk around neighborhoods, get to know their neighbors with a, an MP of their, and a party of their choice. They could learn about the issues, learn about the problems in their communities, and then become engaged with whatever organizations at whatever level to help their communities. They could join a Facebook group, the very simplest thing, to report on what's happening in their neighborhood and find out what's going on. Um, 
and I think there there are so many possibilities. I'm not sure that newcomer women can do it because they may not be interested. Mm-hmm. They may not have time. The struggle, of course, is always primarily not to find a place to volunteer, but to find a way to support your family, yeah. give support to your children who are in school, prepare meals, do the laundry, take care of the household, all of those things. And women you know, are such nurturers that they prioritize these things yeah. over... Um, getting involved, say, or making carving time out to do networking or uh, look for work or um, do other things that put their civic engagement or workplaces first. And I think we've got to un- understand and accept that to some degree. Mm-hmm. That newcomer women, if they've got older children, can become more engaged. Mm-hmm. Those with younger children are mothers and frequently come from cultures where. Uh, that's their primary role, and they like it, and I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. But what we've got to do is also encourage those who have the time, younger women who don't have the responsibilities mm-hmm. of motherhood quite yet, to really take a leadership role and get out there and have their voice be heard because they've got time to contribute and they've got wonderful ideas. Mm-hmm. So experience that newcomer women are motivated by mirror experiences rather than window experiences. So how do you think we can remedy this situation where we don't have very, where we have just very few visible minority women in the high echelons of power? Because you have the men up there, then you have others, and then the newcomer women right at the bottom. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's been demonstrated that, that newcomer women have the greatest challenges to finding work. Yeah. And some of them are extremely capable. I know I was once doing a speech and uh, had coffee after the engagement and was sat next to a, a woman who uh, was a CEO in India mm-hmm. and was working at Tim Hortons. She said ultimately she had to eliminate every impressive achievement that she had to uh, work at Tim Hortons so that she could help to support her family. Mm-hmm. That's a, a problem. I think... One solution could be uh, blind recruitment, right? just for employers simply to uh, recruit according to qualifications rather than whatever name is on the uh, top of the resume. I think in general, organizations that are in positions of responsibility that are large, uh, that can afford to experiment with staff um, and policies, should be more opening to really looking for women and making some concessions, allowing for some percentages of their hiring to come from more disadvantaged groups. Groups. Yeah, you said something about blind recruitment because as a newcomer woman, I know that I had to use my Christian name rather than my first name. Would you say this is some sort of... Structural bias? I think that definitely exists. And I don't think it's necessarily discrimination. I think it's fear. Fear. I think it's expediency and fear. I mm-hmm. think a person who's recruiting is going to say, okay, here's John Smith, mm-hmm. who's lived here all his life. And here's, you know, Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Who am I going to trust? Who's going to get it the fastest? Um, and I think... They're looking for the easiest way to uh, find someone who's going to do the job. And I think it's not that they're discriminating so much. It's that they're wondering, is this person going to be able to do it? It's hard to get over. 
And I, you know, I, I, I've talked to, to lots of people who are extremely successful, and I, what's, I say, what's your secret? Because they've got exotic names from yeah. all over the world, and they employ really interesting creative strategies. Some of them do change their name a little bit, right, just yeah. to get in the door. Mm -hmm. So they simplify things, right? They make it easy to say yes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's what's required mm -hmm. when you're new. And so, he, you know, one gentleman recently uh, who I talked to, you know, PhD in an IT field, uh, applied at Walmart. Did he say that he was a PhD at Walmart? No. No. He just simplified his skills on his resume, made it really easy for someone to say yes, got in the door. He also applied at Canada Post, the same thing, mailroom. And this was within six months, I just want you to bear in mind, mailroom. Mm -hmm. Started in the mailroom, and then he had access to the postings. After he had access to the postings, he realized, oh, there's a better job, and I'm going to apply to it, and I'm going to expose a little more of myself. Until finally, six months later, he is uh, earning a six-figure salary, still working at Walmart to make more money to help Whoa. his family, mm -hmm. um, but slowly exposed who he truly was to his, um, to his company. Okay. Um, and that helped him to succeed. Uh, and then, of course, he sounds like his English is extremely proficient, and he sounds like a, um, a Canadian, though he is a brown man, mm -hmm. right? And with an exotic name. With an exotic name. Yeah. So are people or are employers afraid of what they don't know? Because a foot in the door, I know a foot in the door is important. And we talk about accents a lot. I have an accent. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> I have an accent. <laughs> and what I have learned since coming to Canada is... When I talk to someone who is of a different ethnic group from me, I, I learn to pace my speech because they go, oh, you talk really fast. And I go, uh, this is the way I speak. But okay. So I have that in mind, but I, um, I have decided I'm keeping my accent for authenticity. You should. Yes. So. So lovely. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you think, do you think, uh, do I use the word, do I say, do you think Canadians or Canadian employers are afraid of what they don't know? Fear of the unknown. Yeah. I think they're fearing that hiring a newcomer will mean more work rather than less work. They want to be confident that when they give an instruction, if they're in a meeting, if they're looking for information, that the person who they're hiring is just going to get it. That doesn't require too much explanation, that they don't have to speak too much, too slowly, that they, uh, the person understands what needs to be done because they've got the experience uh, to have uh, to complete the task at hand. I think it's more that. It's, it's just a fear of the unknown, a fear that it's going to be more work, a fear that it's going to be an exertion rather than an opportunity to get new ideas to hear from someone new, to see where there are gaps that they never thought of before, right? Mm -hmm. They don't see that. Okay. Because every challenge, which it may be a challenge at first to hire a newcomer who isn't as familiar with the way we do things, mm -hmm. but it brings enormous opportunities. I think that's what's missing. You know, we were talking about gaps. That yeah. might be a gap, too, where education has to be done so that people think about a challenge as an opportunity as well. Mm -hmm. Because someone who comes from a different country will inherently be able to say, how interesting, this yeah. is not how I did it in my company, here's what we did. And that could bring a whole new synergy. Also, newcomers are a bridge to another country, which for a business, an employer, could mean expansion into another field, into another place, and also an ability 
to use that person to bring in more business, worldwide business. So I think we've got to educate. We as a society, the government, everybody who's involved in dealing with newcomers need to educate employers about the opportunities that come with newcomers. Yeah, that's interesting because I know professional newcomers create a unique talent pool. Yeah. Yeah. And with the present program, we are the, the present program we have that is being sponsored by Heritage Canada, mm -hmm. the cultural understanding and empowering women in IT. Mm -hmm. I know that even though it's 2019, IT is still mainly predominantly, yes, male. Pre predominantly male. And then we have all these professional women from other countries who have all these, you know, qualifications, work experience, still finding it hard to break in. You know, to break in. I know that lived experiences count, and many of them that come from unique cultures require safe spaces free of judgment. I don't want anybody judging my accent. I don't want anybody judging me because I have a hijab. I don't want anybody judging me because I have an afro. Mm -hmm. well, I think, as I said, I would, I would encourage them to look at the opportunities that come with newcomers. Mm -hmm. I, you know, if you close your eyes and listen to someone rather than see what they look like and, and make yourself susceptible to all of those pre preconceived notions of what this person may bring with them. Uh, I think the employers would be very surprised. Uh, I think they really have to try to be open that, that fundamentally they've got to change their stance if it requires changing and be open to what they will learn from someone who has a radically different perspective and design themselves to understanding that this person really may bring a totally different way of looking at their business and that they may find improvements that they don't see because they already come to the task with their own perspective. And that's the creativity newcomers can bring. You know, one of the things newcomers will have to do to break in, especially newcomer women, say in IT, is make friendships with others who are already established um, and use men who are already in the field as their advocates, right? Mm -hmm. Because the more people they meet, the more likely their chances are being brought in. And I have to say, you know, uh, I gave a speech recently about my own experiences as a woman, uh, not as a newcomer woman, but as a woman who's, who's had achievements in her life and who uh, and I was, they were, I was asked how, how I did it. And I, so I had to really think, how did I do this? Who were the critical people along the way? And the critical people in my life were not women. They were men. They were all men. men. All men. Because men had the power. They had the positions. Okay. right? And I applied to those positions. And they were in a, in a position to, to hire me. It wasn't women. I couldn't really... I thought about women who's, you know, my sisters, my cousins, and so on, women who gave me emotional support, my friends. Mm -hmm. But the ones who had the power were the men, and they were the ones who saw something in me and, and put me forward. It was always a man. Even though lots of women I met had the potential, I mean, were in positions of power as well. Yeah. But they weren't the ones who, uh, who were my mentors. They weren't the ones who saw opportunities. They weren't the ones who saw gaps and counseled me. Mm -hmm. And they didn't make it happen. So I think that's really interesting. I don't interesting. think having men in positions of power necessarily is a bad thing. 
I think that you've got to, like Tai Chi, use that momentum <laughs> to, <laughs> to your advantage and, uh, and, and do that. And do you think there's room for empathy? Because I remember you had mentioned earlier, you know, when people, when in terms of hiring, yeah. you know, that the, the, the fear of the unknown. Yeah. What is this newcomer woman saying? What is the employer hearing? Yes. You know, they want someone who can just hit the ground running yeah. and all of that. You, do you think there should be room for empathy? I, I do. I, I think, you know, the way to get empathy is for newcomers to explain their pers a little bit about their personal story mm -hmm. and how that experience makes them capable of doing the job. You know, when I start to talk to people about my job, sometimes... I see a lot of prejudices, right? Mm -hmm. But but once I start telling them about the people who I've met, they are really surprised, really engaged. So, you know, maybe a point of, uh, to start off with is to for the newcomer to explain where they've come from, what they did, and something really compelling and interesting about their lives, right? Mm -hmm. Because that triggers empathy. Any kind of suffering, any sort of challenges that were overcome, um, and if you, I mean, if you talk to any newcomer, they will give you <laughs> stories of challenges that Everybody they have overcome. Has a story. Everybody's got a story. <laughs> um, and one of the ways that newcomers can engage the empathy of a, an employer is to tell their story in a compelling way, in a way that uh, draws them in okay. to what they've lived. And so, a compelling story about the challenges they have overcome. Um, the uh, difficulties that have led them to Canada, the resilience that they've shown in uh, and the successes that they've gained here. I think those are really great starting points to open up a conversation and draw interest to um, and, and create empathy in, a, in, a, in an employer. I think, you know, a lot of interviews ask a well, a staple of a lot of interviews mm -hmm. is a scenario question. <laughs> Tell me a time when you displayed this characteristic or that characteristic. Now, this is the primary time to bring out the very best stories you've got as a newcomer mm -hmm. woman and uh, tell it in a compelling way to your employer, hopefully in a way that causes him to reach for the Kleenex mm -hmm. or to be uh, moved about the story, perhaps um, draw parallels to his or her life so that they can see you not as the other okay. but as one of us hmm that sounds interesting not to be seen as the other but as one of us yes but you have to start out as other be before you become one of us everybody's other yes because you can't you i know that many employers expect people to hit the ground running but remember that many newcomer women come from different cultures where different things mean different things that's why I keep saying, you know, reiterating this question, this question, what are newcomer women say, women saying and what are the employers hearing? A good example is, you know, at interviews when they say, tell me about yourself. Yeah. What I've noticed about the Canada, about Canada is tell me about yourself. You talk about work, what you've done, where you've been, but for newcomer women, tell me about yourself starts with me as a person, my family, how many children I've got. Mm -hmm. what my husband does, then what I have studied, what I have done, and what I can bring to the table. That's where everybody starts, though, I think, mm. right? Even Canadians may not be able to articulate that question very well. Sometimes mm. when I am practicing with friends, I say, you're going for an interview, what are you going to say? 
And they don't even know. I don't know what to say. I've done this. I've done that. I've got kids. I don't know. You have to really make it compelling. So I could say, well, my um, name is Renata, and I used to be the senior citizenship judge, and now I'm an immigration consultant, and I love my job, and I worked in the government for 11 years, and that's really boring. But if I say, you know, I was born in a fishing village in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean to parents with a grade four education. Coming to Canada has changed my life, but I think it's one of the primary things that make me who I am because it made me resilient, adaptable, and uh, fiercely courageous. And that's what I have to offer you as an employer. Mm -hmm. So all of these other things are extra. What do they know? They know that I am made of tough stuff. Okay. I don't give up. I'm resilient. I'm a self-starter, and I want to succeed. Right. So I think they've got to develop a way of talking so that people really listen, and maybe that will help. So communicating using the right words, using right. keywords, keywords, and a narrative, a good story, mm. a story that shows who they who they are and what their character is about. Because I think. New, newcomer um, employers hire people they like and people they want to work with mm -hmm. and so that's a, a key element it's not just what on paper you uh, you can bring in terms of your knowledge and your education and your skills but who are you as a person and do I want to hang out with you every day at work mm, the right fit the right fit oh Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, Renata. Renata has been is also one of the facilitators on the empowering women and on the cultural and understanding and empowering women in IT program. She was a senior citizenship judge and now an immigration consultant. Thank you very much, Renata. My pleasure.